guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Jamer K podcast. Today we travel to Idaho. We got a very special guest. Would you like to introduce yourself? My name's Devin, and I live in Boise, Idaho, and I sing in Rejection Pack. I was kind of curious because honestly, um, you know, this day and age with like social media, um, I was trying to figure out like how I met you, but it, it was just such a blur because I just couldn't put my finger on it. All I knew um, was that we we're friends on like basically every social media site. Um, so it, it's just kind of a trip that I can't remember how we met. I think it was probably like oh this person keeps popping up because of like mutuals and stuff that i was like i'll follow this person or vice versa i don't really remember but yeah i mean i think that's what happened as far as i remember so i was curious have you always lived in boise um i was born in new orleans originally but i moved to alaska in anchorage when i was three and I lived there until I was, I think I moved right before I turned 20. And then I'd go down to New Orleans every year for a few months till I was like 16. So I'd like stay there during the summer with my dad and then live with my mom in Alaska. And then I moved to Boise in 2007 and then planned on just staying here for like college and then just kind of stuck around and then like started dating Taylor. This is my girlfriend. I'm still dating her now. And we were going to move to California and then just kind of looking at how expensive everything was. We were just kind of like, no, nah, we're good. We're good here right now. And then I've just kind of stayed here. Like it's pretty sick. I mean, it's not like a huge city, but it's cool. And like, as I get older, the stuff that I kind of want to do on a day to day basis is pretty good here. Like it's pretty simple. So you went there for college and the plan was just to be there um, part time and you just ended up staying? Yeah, like so my best friend used to live in Alaska and then he moved. He was from Boise. He, I met him when he was living in Anchorage. He moved back. I came and visited one summer because I didn't like the school I was going to up there. And at the time, Boise was having a lot of shows all the time. And at the, at the time, I think I was like, 18 or 19 so like the more shows I could go to was like pretty important to me at that point and I was like oh the school here is cooler my best friend lives here and there's hardcore shows several times a week like y'all just move here and then when I moved here most of the big shows and most of the kids that were going to shows consistently kind of dropped off within a year of me living here so that was kind of interesting and kind of a bummer but yeah, I mean, I was I didn't really want to stay living here like once I was done with school, but then it just kind of turned out that way. What year was it when you um moved there and um feel like uh, the shows started like dying out? I moved here in 2007 in like I think I moved here in May. And within two within the first I moved here like I think on like a Thursday or something. And that weekend this like fight like hell death of florida sonar colin of arabia and black my heart tour came through and then there was like a big metalcore tour that came here the day before with like light the city and then i want to say that weekend hour of the wolf played here also 
So just even like there was like shows pretty consistent here. Like when I first moved here, like within like there's like at least one a week and sometimes like several a week, which for like Boise, Idaho of all places is like kind of crazy. But everyone just once they kind of hit the age of 21, most of the kids that I knew were going to shows kind of just like dropped out and stopped going to shows that often. So kind of how it goes, I feel like from time to time, you know? So uh, you feel like the people that were going to shows um, with you around that time got older and just kind of fell out at that time. Were there like uh, any like younger kids that were going to shows or was it just mainly people like around your age? There was, so I was like 20 at the time. There was a crop of kids who were like 16 that they like, so when I moved here, I immediately like started a band. We were playing shows a few months later, there was this group of younger kids. They started a band. But I would say there weren't really any other than like our friend group and then their friend group. Like we we're all friends, but like they were like the kids that all went to this one high school. Then there was our group of friends. And other than that, there weren't really any younger kids. They just weren't. Most of the kids that were consistently going to shows from what I was told and from the people I met when I moved here have been going to shows for quite a while. And so like once they hit 21 and could start going to bars, a lot of them just kind of stopped going. And the younger kids, a lot of those kids moved. And the ones that didn't move, like, it's kind of like, I mean, so most of those kids were straight edge. And most, like, I think every single one of them, like, broke edge, which that shouldn't dictate whether or not you go to a show or not. And Boise doesn't have some, like, straight edge scene, like, really. But... It seemed like every time one of those kids broke edge, they just kind of stopped coming around and stopped going to shows, which was kind of weird to me. But the ones that were still into hardcore and whatnot, most of those kids moved away. And the ones that were still here to stop going to shows. That's like so strange to me because when I got into hardcore, um, I was, you know, fell in love instantly. And I can't imagine, um, you know, after being so like involved with like going to shows, um, trying to book shows and just, you know, having it be a big part of my life. I, I couldn't imagine just like one day kind of just like getting over it and just stop like all of a sudden. It's wild. I mean, like most of those kids lived here. Like they, I mean, they might not live here now, I don't like really talking of them, but within like the first three or four years I was here, like once they stopped going to shows, I'd run into them around town and I'd be like, Oh, I haven't seen you in forever. And they're like, yeah, like I just kind of, I just kind of like grew out of that. And to me, that was always like just a weird thing. I can get like you getting like other interests or being into other things and getting more responsibilities and like having less free time. Like I get that. But to just completely like drop something that was supposedly super important is like really weird to me. Like I don't get it, but you know, that's them. They can do whatever they want. So when you moved to Boise and you started that first band, um, was that your band alone or was that like um, before uh, that? It was this band called Composure. Okay. Which kind of, I mean, I was like, I guess it was kind of like alone. It was definitely like melodic, but we were like, so it was like 2007. So like rivalry records and like all that stuff was really big. And like, 
have heart and verse and like all those bands are still around and um so it was i guess like that style like one of the this guy andy that played guitar on alone also played guitar and composure but it was just like fast melodic like kind of moshy but not like super like not like heavy hardcore and um at the time there was only like a couple local hardcore bands to where generally when tours rolled through we played i think almost every like hardcore show that came through like our first show was with like modern life is war and trash talk were on tour and that was cool and then we would hop on like random like metalcore shows like i remember we played with a day to remember when they were touring back then and like despise icon and see you next tuesday and like beneath the massacre but then we'd also like play with like kids like us or like we played at um at booked have heart and verse in 2008 and like we played with them and we played with we played with all teeth a lot like they were here like on do you remember that band yeah definitely like david from like culture abuse and like mike from spiritual cramp like i feel like they were here like within every two months so we played with them like all the time and our drummer was really good friends with those guys and um i know it was cool i mean it was a fun band we got to play with a lot of bands that i was super into like so like being from like Alaska and like listening to a lot of these bands and like moving here and like being able to play with them was like kind of like a, it was cool and like weird kind of, you know, cause like Alaska super isolated and like no bands really go up there for the most part. Like there's been a couple of hardcore bands that have played up there, but it's definitely isolated in kind of its own little weird landlocked world. So you were listening to hardcore when you lived in Alaska yeah, I um, there's a lot of kids up there that were in the military because there's a couple big military bases to where almost every one of my like good friends wasn't from Anchorage. They all were either up there because their parents were in the military or they moved up there for work because there is a lot of high-paying jobs you can get because no one wants to live there. But I kind of did the normal route of being into like new metal and then I got into like punk and like punkorama and like the bands that were on that. And I feel like I was listening to like hardcore before I knew it was like what hardcore was. And then I got into like metalcore and then like kind of more like, you know, quote unquote traditional hardcore. But I was listening to it up there, like probably like my sophomore, junior year of high school. I was pretty into it by that point. That's awesome. I remember like early days in high school and like just discovering like hardcore, like my older sister showed me a couple bands and that just kind of sparked like my interest. And with the help of MySpace, I was able to, you know, find out about a ton of other bands. And I remember since I like grew up in the Palm Springs area, not a whole lot of shows. I would just look at the flyers that bands were posting and it sucked being like not too like far away, but obviously I was like, you know, freshman, sophomore in high school, I I wasn't able to drive and my parents didn't understand like what this like aggressive music was. And they definitely didn't want to drive me two hours West to um, take me to this, like, you know, show. Um, So it's definitely um, a cool thing when you're, you know, finally able to go out and experience these things that you know you're kind of just like watching from afar on the internet i feel like 
like growing up there because it's so isolated and no one up there at the time when I like discovered hardcore or whatever, none of my friends listened to it. I, I got into like listening to like Punkarama and stuff. And then I remember I went on vacation my sophomore year with my family to um, Washington, D.C. And I saw that like Hot Water Music and Glassjaw were playing a show there. And I remember I went to that and I had my dad take me. And at the time, this is like how clueless I was. Like I gave him a Mudvayne shirt to wear. And I was like, this is sick. Like people are going to think you're cool. They're not going to think you're a weirdo. Like these guys are heavy. It's sick. Like no, you'll fit right in. And then I think I had on like, a, like I, I have a really dumb memory. And like, I remember like lots of like specific shows and like what shirt I was wearing. But I remember I was like wearing a Finch shirt and these kids were, these like random kids started talking to me about Finch. And then at the show, I remember like when Glassjaw was playing, I was trying to like push mosh. And all these kids were like moshing and like dancing and stuff. And like, that was the first time like, I ever saw it. And I was just like, this is fucking crazy. Like, this is super aggressive. Like, this is like scary, kind of, which thinking about kids like moshing like that to Glass John itself is kind of weird. But um, that show was super cool. And then I came back and bought the Hellfest DVD at Hot Topic. And then I feel like at that point, that's kind of when I was like, Yo, new metal sucks. Like, this is dumb. Like, I'm just gonna listen to like punk and like more aggressive, like hardcore and like metalcore. And at the time, it was all just like hardcore to me. Like, I remember getting in arguments with people that I would call like bleeding through like hardcore or like 18 Visions hardcore, and they'd be like, "No, nah, man, like sick of it all." Or like Judge, like that's hardcore. Like this isn't like this is like metal. But I mean, all that is just like dumb young stuff that like kids argue about but yeah i mean just because it was so isolated like it was i don't know if it made it seem like more special to me or i got like way more into it to where like it wasn't being like influenced by anyone else like up there to where i would like would just dig in and like you know buy buy a cd and like read the thank you list like a lot of people did and like go find all of their like if i could like i would just blind buy so much music off like Interpunk or back at the time on Hot Topic I actually sold like hardcore CDs and stuff and just like buy tons of shit and like I mean a lot of it I like some of it I didn't like but at the time it was kind of like whatever and then I don't know if you remember hardcoremp3.com and like Pure Volume I definitely remember Pure Volume but not Hardcore MP3 because um, in like the early days like MySpace and stuff I didn't have g- good internet i was on like 56k and it was just hard to actually do like do cool stuff on the internet i remember i remember like having dial up and downloading a fucking little 30 second clip of throwdown from hellfest one time like random info but hardcore mp3 was kind of like pure volume or myspace but it was just like hardcore and like metalcore and like punk shit but just like when you, when you think of like MySpace, like hardcore bands, and like just like MySpace bands, like that's literally all hardcore MP3 was. It was fucking sick. Like so many like random smaller name like moshcore bands like found through that, and it was cool and like it was free. And um, I really missed that site. It was great. <laughs> it's kind of like almost like Bandcamp. I don't know. Yeah, I, I remember in those days. Um, like you mentioned, Interpunk. 
I can't remember if it was interpunk or smart punk, but my mom was um, paranoid about like using her, um, you know, credit card or debit card on the internet because it wasn't like super common, you know, in oh, those days. Sure. So I remember she um, filled out the the order sheet um, to buy merch um, with like a check. So she had to like mail out the check and then wait for them to get it and then uh, for them to like cash it. And then they sent out the merch. It was like such a long and um, weird process. Like when I think about it now, because it's just like I'm so free when I like use my uh you know debit card online like i don't even think twice yeah. about it i remember the first time i like bought merch like with my own debit card i was at my friend's house we were having like a sleepover or something and i would like i went on the death wish store and bought like an embrace today shirt i think but it was just like definitely like felt kind of stressed about it like oh fuck like what if like I was on my friend's computer and like, oh, what if something happens? But, you know, whatever, like one of my friends that that was there, like bought merch constantly online. He's like, it's cool, man. I was like, all right, we'll see how this works. But definitely like same thing. My mom got stressed like at the time, like I was like asking her to like buy me stuff off Interpunk and whatnot and like definitely getting stressed and like I would use her debit card, but just like she wasn't hyped on and would always get like really nervous that like something was going to get stolen or like fucked up in some way yeah it was always um like more fulfilling for me to get like merch at like actual shows because I, I don't know why but i remember growing up i thought um you know if, if you bought merch um online or at like hot topic it was lame it was like only cool to get merch at the actual shows i would have whenever i mean like i said like I could probably count on my hand the amount of like touring bands I saw in Alaska before I moved. Like Killswitch came up there. Um, this band Twelve Tribes that was on Ferret, they came up there. And then um, I booked the, that band Die Young. They came up. Okay. But probably. other than that, shout out to Texas. Yeah, like, and this was like back in like 2006, like really weird to think about but other than that like i can't think of any like touring like core related in any way like bands like it was like just local bands and none of the local bands there had it's really weird to think about how bad some like merch used to be like at like a local level like like merch that the bands at least in anchorage were putting out it was just like these designs are trash and like no one no one's gonna wear these but once I moved, like, once I moved here, and then I'd go on vacation every now and then to catch bands, um, in the states from Alaska. But when I would go to those, I would obviously like load up on merch and be that obnoxious, annoying kid, like buying a shirt from like every band, like multiple shirts, like with a backpack. But definitely prefer buying a T-shirt directly from the band, like, versus especially like. I remember at the time I worked at Hot Topic, so I had lots of like Hot Topic merch, but I'd always get mad when like my coworkers would be like, oh, this supports the bands. And I'm like, not really. Like, it's cool to have this shirt, but I really don't think they're getting any money from this, from like the bands that I talk to. So. I remember when I was younger, I would have to like save up lunch money just to be able to get like tickets to go to shows. 
but there was like a lot of instances where I had um, this friend, his name was Ronnie. He used to work, um, he used to work at our local mall. And this was back in the day. Um, yeah. we, we used to have a Robinson's May and inside that store, um, there was a ticket master. So um, sometimes he would just, he, he was like a nice guy. So, um, and he had a job. I, uh, I think this was like probably before I, I started working because um, I have like a late birthday. So like I started school like early, but um, he, like sometimes he would just flat out just like buy me tickets to shows. And I was like, oh, like that. That's like super awesome because if he did that, that like enabled me to use the money I was going to use for the ticket to actually buy merch. And what are those master fees. Uh, oh, wait, I'm sorry. That's good because, like, I remember back in the day. I don't know if they do it now, but Ticketmaster had like crazy like fees. Oh yeah, I um, like. I can only imagine. But I remember I went to see um, Bleeding Through at the Glass House. This is right after um, they put out uh, "This Is Live, This Is Murderous," and I was super broke because I was like. I think I was like 15, 16. I can't remember. Um, but they had like, in my opinion, it was like the sickest like spread, it, like their entire spread. They had like a um, bunch of different shirts and a couple different hoodies, but it was all um, boondock saints like rips. And I, I was so sad that I didn't have any money to buy that merch. That movie, like we were talking, I was talking about with a friend the other day, like just how impactful that movie was to people back then. Like, I've heard, like, besides Bleeding Through, like, doing sound clips and merch, there was, like, a band in Boise that literally did, like, the same sound clip, and they were a metalcore band. They had a keyboard player. And then um, working at Hot Topic, just the amount of, like, Boondock Saints, like, merch and, like, memorabilia was, like, pretty nuts, like, to look back and think about. So want to actually ask you about Boise. Okay, so you were um, in that band Composure. Um, yeah. So after that, um, what was the next band you were in? Next band was Alone, okay. which. So Andy, Andy and I have like been best friends. Like he's the dude that uh, was my best friend whenever I moved here that I met in Anchorage. Okay. And I were like kind of sitting around like, yo, we should have started like a new band. Like he was kind of like he just finally gotten like some new gear, I think. And was like, yeah, I'd be down to like play hardcore again, like. Like he got kind of burnt out on it, I think. But um, he was like down to play hardcore again. He's like, it'd be fun, you know. Like I got some like riff ideas and stuff. And then at the time, my friend Charlie, who also drums in Rejection Pact, he was like wanting to start like a hardcore band. And then um, our friend Isai, who was in like this local metal band, he wanted to play in like a more straightforward like hardcore band. And then we kind of like sat around and talked about it for like several months. I'm like, oh, it'd be cool to jam and then get together. And then finally, like one day we just like, yeah, sure, let's just like actually go practice since Eastside already has a practice space. And then we started jamming without a bass player. And everyone we knew that played bass um, was already in bands and didn't really want to do one. So then our friend Jake, which you know, he was kind of like, we're like, well, Jake's cool. He's fun to hang out with. And like, we think he knows how to play bass. And then I asked him and he was like, yeah, I can play bass. So then we had him join the band. Then we did that band for about two years, like a year and a half. I don't remember. I feel like 
we did a bunch right at the beginning and then we kind of like hit like a rough patch and then like we would every now and then play a show but kind of like lost that kind of like momentum and energy that we had which is a bummer but oh well is oh so you guys um like obviously you're in a new band so you guys just decided to call it quits yeah we played we played we so we played a bunch of shows in 2014 and when 2015 rolled around i think we played two shows like we were supposed to play a show that winter with drown and axis we canceled like two days before because we like literally like, weren't practicing and like everyone's schedules like weren't meshing and it was annoying. We played that um, Bane and Malfunction tour that came through, and then our last show we played like we didn't like plan for it to be our last show, but it was supposed to be with Old Wounds and Axis. And there was actually a crazy forest fire in the northwest, and there's literally one highway to get here from like Portland or Seattle. And they played a show there the night before. There, the um, highway got closed off because of all like the forest fire and the smoke and stuff. So we ended up playing. There's like I think one or two other local bands that played that show. Like no, most of the people didn't show up because they found out the touring bands can't like weren't going to show up. So we played to basically our friends, and then after that we were just kind of like, yeah, this like why are we a band anymore? Like it's such a hassle and like such a pain and like really no one seems into it like we were just kind of like over it at that point so we were just like yeah we're done i'm kind of tripping out right now i literally had no idea jake was in that band with you yeah he played bass he uh i think he there was one show he didn't play with us because of the time he was working on the fishing boat but other than that like yeah he was in the band like the whole time like i think he joined like a month after we had been a band or something like that, but yeah, Jake. Uh, that was when Jake had long hair. Long hair, Jake. <laughs> That's so crazy, man! Shout out to Jake. I actually um, haven't talked to him in a while, um, but hope you're I doing saw, all right. Yeah, I saw him. It's weird. Like, I don't know if it's because like I'm getting older, but like most of my friends in town, like I really don't hang out with them. Like more than like maybe like I'll see him like once a month, <laughs> and okay. it's usually at, like a show or like oh let's go grab like food or something but i feel like most of my friends at this point like all have like their own bullshit that they're like doing or like being like adults and like having kids and stuff to where um yeah i mean most time i'm not like i just hang out with my girlfriend and our dog that's cool once you have you know somebody you know there like you don't have to like go like too far out of your way to do anything you know yeah like pretty like laid back like chill like i don't i'm really like i don't know if it was because of growing up in alaska and like literally like having to find like the most random shit to do for fun because there was nothing to do but i'm like pretty content of just like hanging out and like watching tv or like reading comics and like just like making food or like going grab food like i'm pretty simple at this point for me i'm either at my corporate job that takes up like a good chunk of my time. But if I'm not working, um, or at home, I'm either at Disneyland or like a, a show. I feel like back when movie pass was around, I was always at the movies, but RIP on that. Man, but 
you know, I signed up for it and it sounded like such a cool idea. But then I, I didn't know that you had to, like, you know, be within like a certain proximity of the theater to like, like you know, check, check in. Um, and that kind of killed it for me because I'm such like a like I procrastinate and I always like show up late to whatever movie I'm watching. So not having the convenience of having my seat already booked just kind of like turned me off. No, it was definitely like I want to say I I got the card with like cause, I mean it's been, it'd been around for a while, but once they did that big announcement of like oh we're dropping it to ten dollars, I got a card. I think I ordered it like that week. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Like, you know, if it sucks, it sucks. Who cares? It's 10 bucks. And then I, with my job, I work Monday through Thursday. So I would almost always go see a movie every Friday during the day. I'd go see another, like, one or, like, there was a minute where I was probably going and seeing, like, 10 movies a month. Like, it was sick. And then um, once they, like, changed everything, I was like, yo, this sucks. And then I kind of held on for a little bit hoping that it would get fixed and finally i was like this is dumb like they canceled my card like a month ago but dang you held on for that long it's like well because i mean i feel like it has might be harder in like bigger cities but like because i'd be off on fridays i could like go see a movie like really early for a lot of times where people would be like oh you know it's i checked and it was available and then i got back on later and it wasn't I would just usually go see like the earliest showing that they had because usually like my girlfriend would already like be at work and I'd just be like, all right, well fuck what am I? I'll go see a movie right now. And, um, I could get there early enough and check in and it would work to where even if I was only able to use it like once a month, I could like justify keeping it. But it got to the point where like, I was like, this is dumb. Like I'm still going to the movies a fair amount. I'm like literally never using this. Like, I think the last month I wasn't able to like use it, and so that, like that little bit just pissed me off too much, so I got rid of it. So out here, I go to um, like my local AMC, and they have like their own like monthly um, program. I think it's called like A List. Um, but I just go on like the cheap day, which is like Tuesday. It's like five dollars for like every movie. Um, yeah, we have Regal here, and they do that too. Okay, um, they they have their own like monthly thing too, right? It's like um, you, you pay wish. like a monthly fee. No, I wish that's. I think they're the only one that doesn't have one at this point. And like me and my friends are always getting like pissed about it because we're just like, all right, like everyone else is like has one at this point. Like, what's stopping you? But I, we're like reading up on it, and I guess a lot of Regal's theaters are in like small to mid-sized markets. Okay. To where they're kind of just like, where else are you going to go see a movie at? Like, you're stuck. Which is like, I think we have like a we have um quite a few dollar theaters here, mm-hmm. which are pretty sick. Like, they get a bunch of like random indie movies, which is cool. We have like an art house like indie theater here, which most of the movies they pick honestly like I like a lot of those kind of movies, but the ones they pick straight up are trash and bad. And then we have um some local theater which is like they actually serve like food and everything and like bring it to your table or whatever and like you can like drink and stuff there like that's like the big fancy like yuppie theater that um i'll go see every marvel movie at because they have really nice comfy seats i feel like i've always wanted to try a theater like that but i think it would be kind of annoying to have like a server come try to like 
you know, talk to me while the movie is playing. They'll only do it at this one during the first like 15 minutes. Okay. And then after that, so like they're usually finishing up during trailers, but, um, it's definitely a bummer when I remember one time we were at the movies and someone had, they might've been wings or something, but it was like a very, very strong smell. Okay. And I was just like, they were and they were like eating loud and stuff. And it was, it like wasn't a good time to where, even though like we'll go there and like, I'm just going cause the seats are really comfortable and there's like tons of leg room, but I'm not like eating any of their food. And I'm just kind of like this smell kind of like, depending on what people get, like, they just get like popcorn or like a sandwich or something. It's cool. But when they're getting like hella spicy wings or like, I remember one person one time had some type of soup that smelled really weird. That sucked, but I don't know. I mean, if it was one where they were like coming out the whole movie, like walking around, like that'd be a nightmare and I would never, ever go back. Like that sounds terrible. Uh, So what are your thoughts about like people sneaking in their own snacks to movie theaters? I'm about it. I snuck in Wetzel's yesterday. I went and saw Shazam last night. And snuck in a bag of Wetzel's pretzels and a can of tea into the movie. And that was awesome. <laughs> okay. That's um, that's pretty cool. I definitely want to do that because my, my friends and I, because um, like like 99% of the time I go to the movies by myself just because like my schedule is so different from all my friends. By yourself rocks. Like it's so fun. Like yeah, talking to me anyway to where it's just like let's do your own thing. It's cool. Yeah, I I thought it was weird um, when I first did it, but I'm like, no, this is kind of chill. This is like I'm just kind of like at home and like in my own bubble, just you know watching yeah. a, a cool movie. Um, but we were talking about how um, we want to sneak in snacks to the um, end game, uh, you know, premiere because the theater we're going to, I, I think it's like the second biggest IMAX in California. And just like we're just talking about like how much like they just like upsell these like, you know, boxes of candies that you can get at like Walmart or Target for like a couple bucks. And it's in. Go ahead. If you know, like that honest tea brand. Yeah. They have honest tea at the theater here. Last time I was there, I was like, yo, how much does this cost? I'm just curious. And she was like, it's six dollars. And I was like, yeah, I'm not that rich. Thanks. But (laughs) that's that's ridiculous. No, it's all about me and one of my friends. We always talk about sneaking in. There's the main theater that I go to. There's a huge, like, um, there's a food court outside. Then there's also a bunch. There's, like, this really good Hawaiian restaurant and this really good Chinese restaurant. And we always talk about going and getting um, this Chinese spot as the best fried tofu I've ever had. And I always talk about going in there and getting Chinese and putting it into, like, either a Tupperware container or, like, a bag. And just mixing it all up, you know, and then sneaking that in in a coat and then just like once the movie starts, like getting that out and eating it. But like, I don't know if I'm brave enough to do that yet, but one day it might be fun. I remember when I was younger, um, my mom was just a savage. Like she definitely didn't care because she felt the same way, obviously, because she didn't want to buy us. Like, go ahead. It's just a rip off. Like. I did a um, college paper, like six month research study on like movie theaters. And like the reason why everything costs so much is because like whenever like, I guess they get the movies, 
they're almost like in debt for it, you know, and like you're paying it off to where some movies like they won't even like make their money back on it. It's at a loss for them if like not enough people go and see it to where the only real way they can make money is through food and like drinks, which is why the markups are so crazy high and they know that people are going to buy it. Like, but there's actually a theater in Anchorage kind of going off topic, but my friend worked there in high school and they actually in their handbook had specifically stated that you could bring outside food or drink in and they couldn't stop you. Like they didn't, they don't want you to, you know, but they couldn't do anything. So we would bring, I remember in high school when we'd go there, we would actually bring like huge bags of like McDonald's or like one time we brought in like a full pizza and like none of the staff could say anything to us. They were just like, cool, man. Like, all right. But more theaters need to have that policy. Yeah. I think that would be nice. Cause it's, um, crazy when I, cause like the theater that I go to, it's like a part of like an outdoor mall and they like freak out because like it's literally situated like right like at the edge of like the little like food courts section so yeah. um people are always like trying to bring in like their starbucks or just you know slices of pizza but they like freak out and like have all these like barriers and don't let you through with your outside food or drink and um obviously i don't own a theater so i don't really understand the business too well but i just um, think it's crazy that they're trying to force us to pay these crazy prices i remember me and my mom went last winter to a movie and there's like i go sam there's like an outdoor food court and stuff and we went to um the coffee shop and got two big ass things of coffee and i put them in my mom's purse and i was like just stand this way and walk this way and you won't spill them we put the little stoppers in them so i was like unless it straight up falls over in your purse like you'll be fine and like she was so terrified walking in and like the second like we got in the theater, I like pulled the coffee out and I was like, no one that works here is honestly going to care. Like it, they don't own the movie theater, like they just work here, like they're not gonna mind, like they get it. And um to where like stuck that in, but sneaking and stuff kicks ass because it's super overpriced and the way like movie prices cost now, like I'd rather go see more movies and support like movies that way versus like paying seven dollars for a bag of popcorn and like six bucks for like a soda yeah definitely feel the same way wanted to ask you you said you go to the um fancy theater for all the marvel movies um basically superhero movies that's the theater that i'll go to because they're like long like super long at this point (laughs) have you purchased um your end game tickets i haven't i was looking like when they went on sale but like with my girlfriend's work she doesn't know her schedule till like a week or two before. And we like, we'll go see all like the superhero movies together to where I'm waiting. But last time I checked, there actually were like all of the like premiere times, you know, you'd want to go see it at those are sold out, but kind of more like the off times are like going on like a weekday looks pretty fine to where I'm actually off work that Monday, like that following Monday to where I think I'm going to try to go see it. Hopefully that Monday, I think she has her new schedule, but I haven't looked at it yet, but I'm hoping she's off that Monday too, or at least like to work till like either works during the day or like works at night. So there's like some wiggle room to go see it on Monday. Yeah. I remember, um, my, my buddy, uh, Johnny, he hit me up. He was like, Hey, like we got to watch it together. So, um, had my friends, uh, you know, 
Garrett, Johnny, and his fiance, we all decided that we we're going to go watch it together. And we were under um, the assumption that tickets went on sale at midnight. So I was up pretty late, like waiting for these tickets to go on sale. And midnight happened. Tickets didn't go on sale. So I was like, screw this. Like, I have to get some sleep because I work in the morning. I work really early. And I remember I was at work and it was probably like around 5 a.m. And I just kind of got this hunch. I was like, maybe tickets are on sale now. So like I went back into like the Fandango app and saw that all the showtimes were um, in orange, which meant um, tickets were available. So I was like, oh, shit, like hopefully it's not sold out for like this, like the specific time we wanted. Um, And it was crazy because um, the there's still tickets, but like I got put into like a queue and had to wait like um, till it was my turn to purchase tickets. And then once I was in the room to buy the tickets, they're like, you have 20 minutes to like pick your seats and, you know, complete your purchase. And it was like such a big deal to buy, like, you know, just movie tickets. It was such a trip for me. That whole, I remember going on the site that morning or whatever, and it was a nightmare. Like I was like, this is dumb. Like I closed, I was like debating, like, just buying, trying to maybe buy tickets on a whim, and if like hopefully she has the time off work, you know. Yeah. But I was yeah. like even messing around with it. I was like, this sucks. Like, I'll be fine. Like, I'll see it at some point soon. Like, I'm not like I don't need to see it like the day that it comes out or like that Thursday, you know. Like I'll be fine. Like I'll just probably have to try to stay off the internet a little bit more than usual. But at the same time, I didn't even realize that our record drops the day that that movie comes out. So I'm like, like, I'm just like, fuck, like, it's going to be like so hard to like get people. I feel like to even like pay attention to it because everyone's feeds is literally just going to be like Avengers and that's it. But is it too late to um, push it forward or push it back? No, that's fine. I mean, we're just kind of like, I'm trying to think of a way to somehow tie in something with like the Avengers, you know, with it in some way to try to like, do some type of like interesting like promotion or something for it but knowing me like i'm so busy right now that i'll probably just like forget but um i remember when we got the release date i like thought that like i was like oh the 26 like that looks familiar mm-hmm. you know but then i was like no that's cool like yeah that's great like let's put it out like let's, that day's fine <laughs> but then um our bass player is like obsessed with like the mcu movies and like him and I were like talking about like the record coming out and then him and I both kind of at the same time were just like, Oh shit. <laughs> but it's fine. I mean, um, we figure we figure it'll be like a slow burner like record anyway. So it's kind of like, that's cool. Okay. So let's get into rejection packed. So after, um, alone call it quits, did you um or how long was it until you decided you wanted to be in like another band i there was about a year where i was kind of like i i was still going to shows but i was being much more like picky choosy you know about which ones i want to go to and then um i went on tour with um charlie that drummed in alone also had a punk they started out as like like a punk band but they turned ended up doing like the whole just like 90s rock, I guess would be the easiest thing to compare it to, you know, like, like Super Heaven or like Basement, like stuff like that. And um, I did, I was on their little, they did like a little like three or four day weekend tour in the summer of 
2017 and I went on with I went with them to do merch for that and then we were kind of talking about because he was like pretty aware like yo we're probably gonna like I feel like we're gonna break up soon so-and-so is like moving and then me him and their bassist which is our bassist Ralph we were talking about it'd be cool to start like a hardcore band like and just it would just be fun like their band was like by the end, their music was like pretty serious, and like it'd be fun just to do like a fast, like more, I guess like not really youth crewy, but not really like melodic hardcore either. Just like mid two thousands, like mid to late two thousands, like just like a hardcore band. And um, so we came back, and then I was actually hiking with one of my friends, and him and his girlfriend at the time had just broken up. And he's, like, played guitar for, like, his whole life, but, like, had never actually been in a band. And was like, oh, if, like, would it be cool if I maybe tried out to, like, jam with you guys? And, like, I would love to play guitar. I've never been in a band. Like, I finally have, like, a lot of free time, and I feel like I should just try it. And I was like, yeah, totally. And then we got together and, like, ended up, like, clicking, like, pretty well, pretty quickly. And, like, Charlie and Ralph have played music together for so long at this point, like, I think Step Brothers was a band for like five or six years. Could be wrong, but they were a band for a while to where like they're just super in sync with like writing stuff together. And then um, Charlie can play like every instrument and Ralph can play like every instrument to where those two, along with Nathan, who plays guitar, it was just like a really cool fit. And like we like clicked really quickly and, and like writing stuff was like a very like cohesive process like i think we only have like maybe one or two songs where someone had like the whole song kind of written ahead of time almost everything like right on the spot at practice but so that's we started i think our first practice was in like september of 2017 then we played our first show in january of 2018 and i've been kind of doing stuff since then we recorded our demo at our practice spot I think in November of 2017 and put it out in January that's not a lot of time from start to demo that's pretty cool that it came together so quick yeah we wrote I want to say we had like 9 or 10 songs by like February and then um, we actually the record that's coming out we actually recorded it over the summer, like we recorded it ourselves, our drummer, we, the place we practice at is also his like recording studio. Like he records like bands in town all the time. So we just did that ourselves in July. And then, um, he was on tour. Have you heard of that band Infernal Coil by chance? Like, no, I never heard of him. It's one of the dudes from dead in the dirt. It's his like, vegan black metal band okay charlie went on tour with them for like a month they did like a full us i think in september august and september so then when charlie got back at the very end of september then he started like mixing the record and stuff and then we actually got it mixed and mastered and then we didn't like how it sounded so we went back and like started over and like remixed everything and remastered it and it by that point, then we did like how it sounded. So um, it's like we've been sitting on it for a minute 
at least that's how it feels, you know, but I feel like most bands I hear, like, they'll have, like, the whole process of, like, getting stuff on vinyl and everything, like, takes forever to where it'll be good to finally get it up, but um, when it comes to, like, writing stuff, like, it's nice, like, we write, like, pretty quickly together and, like, um, I don't know, it just, it, it flows well, it's good. I guess it's easy. Yeah, I feel like, you know, you recorded it in July it definitely is a long time. It feels like, yeah. But and I feel it was like, just like, sorry, go on. Oh, I was just gonna say, I feel like the more that I do this and I actually talk to people about, you know, records and EPs coming out, I feel like, um, it's not, uh, uncommon to, you know, have stuff recorded and be sitting on it for a minute. Yeah. Like we, um, cause initially like we were kind of just like, planning on like putting it out ourselves, like, Oh, we'll record it and stuff. And then, um, we got hit up by safe inside and asked, um, you know, asked us like if we were putting it out through anyone and basically got like, got an offer from them. And, um, I think we'd already had, I feel like we'd already had like a lot of it like recorded or we're like in the process of recording it. So like I let Bert hear it and he liked it. He goes, this is sick. But, um, yeah, I mean, the nice thing is, like, because we have the studio, is like, we can kind of record stuff whenever. You know, like, we did that song for um, Dog Years put out that Underdogs comp. And, like, we went and did that song, just, like, kind of like, all right, cool, like, we'll go record this really quick. Like, we actually don't have the song recorded. Like, we don't, we'll play it at shows sometimes, but we just, like, don't actually have it recorded. Like, let's go, like, we'll put this on this comp. Like, and then, um, to where if like whenever we would want to like do if there was like an opportunity i guess that would come up where we needed something to be recorded and put out pretty quickly like we could which is nice but the whole like vinyl aspect like just having to like wait for like the pressing plants and like i feel like there aren't as far as i know like i'm not in that world but i feel like there really aren't that many of them so um yeah, just kind of like waiting and then um, pushing stuff back and having it be finalized. Like definitely wanted to take our time too and not just like rush something out. We're like, not to say like, oh, what we're putting out is like a big deal, but like at least like taking our time to like think about it and like have it be organized and like prepared versus like, oh, hey, we have a record out. Like you can go buy it here. And is the record label like handling most of that stuff or is it still you guys kind of both? I mean, our friend Chris that does, um, youth energy designs who owns dog years records. He does most of our, like, I guess like design work and like promo stuff. And he works with safe inside a lot to handle their stuff to where it's kind of like a lot of the idea stuff like we'll come up with but then like we'll handle like pushing it out and getting it out there but then like we'll also do it too but um they're definitely handling a lot more of the um i guess like business end of it and of like getting the record and like all the right spots and like getting everything like pressed and like formatted and like put together and all that and like mailing it to people and like doing all like the distro stuff like they handle all of that and like um all the digital stuff they handle, which is nice because I hate dealing with 
like submitting it to all the different like streaming platforms and stuff. That's super annoying to me to where they're handling, they handle like all that to where it's super nice to kind of not have to like just deal with any of that. But yeah. Yeah. I definitely understand that because when I first started this, I wanted it to be available on iTunes, like not just like through my website and yeah. just learning like how to, you know, make it through that process. Like on my own was just so frustrating. Yeah. Like I don't know how to do any of that stuff. Like usually like I've kind of gone back and like messed with some of the stuff, like just Spotify, but, um, our drummer, Charlie, and then our bassist, Ralph, like they know a lot more about that kind of stuff to where like, like you guys need to go deal with that. Cause I'm going to screw something up. I'm sure. So you brought up, um, youth energy and we're talking about saving side records. Um, I, I'm looking at the, the tour flyer that you have for your upcoming tour yeah. next month. Um, I think it's pretty cool that you're actually leaving the country. Um, you're going down into Mexico. Have you guys ever played a show in Mexico? Charlie has Charlie played with infernal coil there. And he was just like, I remember when we first started talking about doing a West coast tour, he's like, we got to play Mexico. It was, it was so tight. And like, we're like, he's like, even if like the show he played was really cool, but he's like, even if the show we play ends up not being that great, it's just cool to like, we can say like we've played Mexico and like Mexico rocks. Like I've been there a few times. I just on like very like vacationy trips, you know, mm-hmm. He's like, it's awesome. He's like, we can go like, there's tons of good food. There's tons of cool shit to go do. He's like, it'll be cool. Like this band is like a cool means to like travel and do cool, like just have fun to where he's like, we got up in Mexico and we're so close to like, we're going to be so close to San Diego. Like we should just go down there and play. And we're like, yeah, sure. Like we, um, we played Canada last year. So we already have like our passports. So we're like, we might as well get use out of them. And I know, um, we haven't figured out the specifics yet, but we're planning to do like a Canadian tour in August. And I think we're going to play like four or five Canadian dates and then probably like one date in either like Seattle or Portland and then come home. But playing international is definitely cool. So I noticed on the tour flyer, you guys don't have a Vegas date lockdown. No, we're that one is still being worked on. Like, I mean, I'm sure it'll get booked, you know, but being that we're not like a big band mm-hmm. that like, it's kind of a little harder to like work around, but I've been staying in touch with, um, people over there in Vegas and I, I I'm confident it'll get booked. I just think that it's like a little bit harder, I guess. Like I kind of feel like it's almost like when smaller bands play Boise where it's like, they almost always will go to show, but like sometimes it's not quite as easy to like, round it up and get it organized and get it like confirmed. But Ralph, Ralph is from Vegas. Like he grew up there for a while to where like, he's like, yo, we like all the stuff I've seen from Vegas shows lately looks like pretty nuts. So I like definitely want to play there. And he's like super gung ho and playing there because of, um, a lot of his friends he grew up with live there. But I mean, it's something like, I think we'll end up getting it booked. I just think it's like, most of the shows we were in ended up being able to book like pretty fast, which is kind of surprising to me, like being like a small kind of like no name band from Boise playing at like venue, like venues that like I was already like pretty aware of. So 
I'm pretty psyched. All right. Well, I was going to say, I know a guy, um, the people who are actually putting on like most of those crazy shows in Vegas, um, are my friends. So if you guys need like assistance, I could, you know, put in a call for you guys. Definitely. I mean, at this point I'm kind of like, I guess like might as well, you know, like it's like a month out, like month and a half out. I figure, um, doesn't always hurt to ask more people and like booking shows is definitely like not fun and it's stressful. Trust me. I, I, I know <laughs> I, I tried to book one show um, and it was terrible. Never did it again. It was so bad that I never attempted to do it again. Cause I just accepted it as a loss and I was like, all right, this isn't my thing. Like I'm done. I used to book shows here a lot and then I just got burnt out on it. So, like this was stressful and it sucks when, you'll book like cool bands and like not a lot of people show up and then like then you'll book like a, you'll book one show where a ton of people come and like oh this is really fun i like doing this and then you book like a few shows where not a lot of people come and like the bands are bummed and you're just kind of like yeah this is stressful and annoying but um yeah i mean i figure like asking other like just getting a hold of multiple people to try to book it and then like one person like whoever gets it handled like I'm sure the other people aren't going to be like, wow, thanks. <laughs> like, like, okay, cool. I don't have to deal with this. Awesome. Did, um, or w- w- were you the one that, um, got code orange to play out there? Yeah. I mean, me and Charlie basically were the ones that did that show. Like he, I knew Jamie. So I hit like Jamie up about it. And then, um, Charlie knew the kid who had the house that they played at. And so, like, we literally, I think, booked it the night before. And we're like, Jamie was kind of like, well, you know, like, because they were playing, that was on whatever what tour is it? Like, um, I forget the name of the tour, but like the big, the big metal tour that was like touring like all over that summer. But um, they played at like one o'clock, like super early. And I was like, yo, man, like a lot of people I know, like, want to see you guys, but, um, they either can't get off work or it's like super early or that show is like pretty expensive. Like, cause they've played here like a few times at that point. And I was like, would you guys like want to do a house show or something? And they're like, maybe like, we're not opposed, you know, like let's, let me talk to like the band or whatever. And, um, you know, if you can find, if you can like actually find something, this is super last minute. Cause I remember I was out at dinner the night before. And then I think within like an hour or two, I think I like made a Facebook event just to like try to gauge how many people were like would want to go, you know? And I think I put in like the information, like this isn't like an actual real show. This is gauging to see how many people would actually want to come. And so I can show the band, like whether or not like it's going to really be worth their time to like play two shows in one day. And then, cause they, and I, and I think the next day they were playing Phoenix or somewhere where it was like a long fucking drive. And then there was enough people that like, they were like, yeah, we'll definitely play like dogs. Cool. And then, um, I mean, I don't, I don't remember the exact number, but, um, it was definitely pretty packed for like a basement and like everyone seemed super stoked. And it looked like a lot of kids bought merch to where I think it was, I think they did pretty good for that show for like a random, like off date, which is crazy also to think about how big that band is now. 
Yeah, I I think it's wild that you were um, able to do it on such short notice, and the fact that they were um, so willing that that just um, makes me like them even more. Yeah, like anytime, like, cause like I mean they're like a, I would say they're like a big fucking band now, like, and at any time like anyone's like oh well, like, you know like blah blah like, you know they don't give a shit now or like. We're just whatever, like crap like that. I'm just like, you're an idiot. Like they definitely get it and who ca- like yeah, they're bigger, they're playing other shows, like they still play like hardcore shows and every like experience I've had with them personally has like been really good. To where I'm just kinda like I don't have any like negative experiences and like I'm not a child, so I'm not gonna like shit talk some band for like being big or like because they did something that like you disagree with. Like it's not like they're hurting anyone or whatever. It's just dumb. But it was cool. I mean, we kind of feel like the show did so well too because when shows are like almost like booked so far out, people will forget or they'll like, you know, like they'll have a reason to make an excuse of not to show up, you know? Whereas this one was literally like the night before to where if anyone was available, they were just going to go and they did, which was cool. So I've definitely like, some shows here will get booked so far out in advance that people I know that like legitimately like those bands didn't go. And when I talk to them, they're like, Oh, I forgot that like that show even got booked. Like I remember like seeing it get like promote or um, push that I got booked or whatever. And that the show is happening at like whatever venue. But then I didn't see anything about it after that. And I just kind of forgot. So, I mean, I think, I think like even like, announcing when shows are and how long out like you wait to promote or like hold off till you start promoting I think it's like pretty important that's that's kind of insane for me to think about because um think about like the scene out there it's not like you know thriving so I I feel like kids would you know want to make it a point to show up to all the shows to keep it going that's how I think about it or like I'll go to shows where I like, I'm like, you don't even really like most of these bands playing like that much, but I know that they have like a booking agent and if the show does well, they'll want other tours to come here, you know? And I'm not like, I'm aware that like people talk to where I would rather be part of the solution. Like I'm not going to go see a band that I straight up don't like, but if it's like, oh yeah, this band, you know, like they're okay. Like it's not something that I would really listen to that often, but they're in town. Like, I'll go check it out, like, maybe live, like, it'll click for me, you know? Um, Like, that band, Heaven's Die, we played with them, and, like, they were fine. Like, I liked them. Like, I didn't really listen to them, but, like, I was like, oh, this is cool. But then when we played with them, like, seeing them, like, it definitely clicked, and it made sense. And, like, now they're, like, one of my favorite, like, more, like, metal-y, like, metalcore-type bands going right now. Like, they were fucking super good, and they, like were super super tight sounding and just like definitely needed to like see them live for it to like make sense and like oh i get it so i mean it's weird like boise boise right now like shows are actually like getting a lot better and like more bands are coming like we're playing our record release on like a wednesday like vomacar is playing here that monday integrity is playing here i think that thursday or friday and so for like a city like Boise to have all those shows in one week is like kind of wild. 
um that's pretty pretty busy week three shows in one week yeah um, whatever happened to that band um uh ingrown they're technically still a band we actually share a practice space with like we use like it's technically like their practice space but um like our drummer our drummer charlie fills in on bass for them right now okay they do stuff like he they did they played that um dpk fest in canada and he played with them on that and then um, they played a show with us in Jawstruck here, I think, the next week or pretty soon after that. And um, he played that show. And then we're playing a show with them. One of my friends throws like a little fest up in Lewiston, Idaho, which is like this really small college town. The, the town is like definitely like a shithole. It sucks. But he throws like this fest every year. Um at like the skate park like last year i think drain played there last year and um i know ingrown is supposed to play that we're supposed to play it they're all in that um have you heard of the band swarm beating no never so it's basically like all the dudes from ingrown past and present charlie charlie plays drums ross that plays guitar and ingrown plays guitar and that dave that drums and ingrown plays bass Alex that used to play bass and ingrown sings. And they're just like a very, very like ignorant, like beatdown band. And so they have that. And they, they they still play a lot of shows like locally. And like they, they also played the DPK fest and had like a honestly pretty crazy reaction for being like more or less this like local band from Boise. And like they did an irate cover and and everyone freaked out. And they just had like good reaction. Like let's watch their video like after it got posted since I didn't go. And kids were definitely into it. And then they played that Hands of God tour like the next day here. And a lot of the bands from California seemed super into Swarm Beating, which was cool. But yeah, Ingrown just doesn't really like do that much anymore, I guess. Like they'll play shows here every now and then. But um, I feel like they started playing shows like literally like right when like Alone was done and they were kind of like the only Boise like hardcore band for like a long time. And like they were actually like touring and like, I mean, they played like Sound Fury and they did that tour with TUI. But um, yeah, they just, I mean, those they were definitely like grinding and like putting themselves out there a lot, which is really cool. <laughs> I remember I saw them at Sound and Fury and when they said they were from uh, Boise, I was like, oh, this is interesting because um, I, I have some friends that are friends with those guys, um, but I didn't know they were from Boise. So when I saw them live, I was like, OK, this is kind of cool. I was like um, some band that I've never heard of from Boise like whenever I think of Boise I think of you and Jake so to, to see like other hardcore kids um, you know from there like in California I was like okay this is pretty cool yeah they were basically like those are like I guess like the next crop of like younger kids was like kids that like their age and they started coming around to shows I think they're for I forget they've like literally like Dave and Ross have like played in bands for so fucking long like, I remember they were in, like, this old straight-edge band called, like, 1D, and they would cover, like, Minor Threat and stuff. And then they did, um, 
Charlie, our drummer, has been in quite a few bands with them. Like even now, they're in like a few different bands, but he's like played in a couple hardcore bands with them like a couple years ago, and um, tour like ingrown like they. I mean, they're getting older now, but like at the time, like they were pretty young to where it's like if you're gonna tour a lot, like that's when you would do it. Like you don't have like a bunch of responsibilities yet to where. Um, for being like a band from Boise, especially like they were touring quite a bit, which is cool. Especially like regionally stuff, like going up to Seattle a lot or like, I remember that I think last year they drove down to uh, Salt Lake to just do like one show with like dead heat and then came back and it was like during the winter and like the roads up here suck during the winter and there's like tons of snow and stuff. Do you have to like put chains on your tires when it's snowing out there? Some people do. I mean, you can get like, um, studded tires, which are like ones you just like switch on for like during the winter. But Boise itself during the winter, like the snow, it'll it'll snow a bunch and then it melts and then it's done. But um, the actual highways like stress me out. And like usually during the winter, I won't like I personally won't drive anywhere else during the winter. I'll just like yeah, I'm in Boise for the winter or I'm flying somewhere. Like. Um, I feel very good driving on the snow growing up in Alaska, but at the same time, I'm just kind of like, yeah, it's not worth it. Like who cares? I'll just wait. The only time I ever driven through, um, snow, it was like 2008, me, um, Bobby and Andrew were driving from California to Denver and we were in some part of Utah and, Andrew was like sick of driving and he asked me if I could drive and I was like, sure. Like I, you know, guess like, I don't really see the difference. I don't understand why you're making like such a big deal. And then we hit black ice and we almost died. It was so scary. Very like it sucks. Yeah, it was really bad. So that like traumatized me. So I'm pretty sure I didn't drive until we were out of the snow. And I remember um, it was like 2000. What year? It was probably 2009. I was like just kind of down on life and wanted to change. And I made some friends in Denver and, and like we were talking and one of them told me that I should just move to Denver and I could like stay with him. <laughs> Shout out to Matt. But um, I was so into the idea. But then when it came down to it, I thought about the fact that I would have to deal with snow. Like it turned me off. I was like, no, I was like as much as like I want to do it. I was like, I can't. I was like, I'm just not going to deal with it. I'm just going to stay in California and just figure things out. The snow sucks. I mean, like, I grew up around it, so, like, it doesn't, like, phase me at this point. But I'm, like, it's a bummer. Like, things are wet. The only time the snow is cool is when it's so cold that when it snows a bunch, it makes it warmer. But otherwise, snow sucks. You have to clean it off your car. Like, I remember, I think it was two winters ago at this point, Boise got dumped really bad, like, it was like the worst snowfall in like 30 or 40 years and like people's roofs were collapsing and like just like people's, I remember like my neighbor's car was constantly getting stuck because where we live downtown, there's like to get in and out of our parking spaces, you have to go through this back alley and none of the plow trucks that were coming around would even plow that back part. They'd only plow like the major streets to where people were constantly getting stuck. So I remember like going back there with just like a shovel and like shoveling the entire like, 
rode Allie out like constantly and like it was a nightmare to where I'm just like, yeah, snow sucks. Like if I lived in a more tropical climate or warmer climate, I would never like not want to be in that at that point. I can't even imagine having to um, get up a little bit earlier just to, you know, like shovel snow or, you know, make sure my car was okay. Yeah, I'll get up. I'll usually start my car for like 10 minutes and like get a scraper. Or if you don't have a scraper, you just use like a credit card or like your driver's license and scrape your window off. And then um, I remember like, I think it was like one time when I lived in Anchorage still. I had like just like a little Honda because my car was in the shop and my like it was going to take like I ended up I had gotten in a car wreck and tour and my car was not drivable tour. I bought this little Honda for like 400 bucks and I was like, oh, this will last me for a few months till I move and I'll get like by then my other car will be fixed. And um, it was we got crazy. It was like white out snow. It was like coming down like insane amounts. And I remember just like getting onto the freeway to go to work. And like having my head like out the, at the window down, and just like looking out the window, almost like in like Ace Ventura when he's driving at the beginning, because the snow was coming down so much and my wiper blades sucked, and almost like going off of the freeway because of how slippery the roads were, with all the snow, and basically snow sucks and it's a bad time. Nothing. Yeah. Where did you get a car for four hundred dollars? That's what I want to know. My dad was a mechanic and his, one of his good friends owned a tow truck company. And I want to say they bought the car from one of those like impound lots or whatever, you know, where you can just get them like on the cheap. Okay. And this car had a fuck ton of miles on it. It, I definitely didn't feel safe driving it (laughs) for a while. Like I'd just get used to it. But, um, I'm sure I got like a deal cause like my dad was friends with the guy or whatever they like some sort of like friend connection like through someone or whatever but i remember like my car was like undrivable and then he was just like do you have any money saved up and i was like yeah i have like moving money saved up for moving to boise and he was just like can i get like 400 bucks like i'm gonna like i got a car like whatever like we can get that for you today and i was like sure all right like i need to get around i need to be able to go to school and like get to work and stuff so yeah, let's go. That's wild. Would you end up doing with the car? Did it um, like end up dying or did you just kind of have to leave it when you moved? Whenever I moved, I just gave it to my dad. I was like, you can have this. Like, I don't want it because he fi- he like he fixed my whole car for me, like my other one. And so we basically like swapped back, you know? So he's okay. like, I think he sold, sold the car or like probably used it for parts or something. But, um, I got my old car back and drove that um, down to Boise from Alaska. So earlier you mentioned that you guys played in Canada. I was just, I was curious, um, how'd you guys get that gig? Uh, Just do, I mean, I feel that I don't think I have like a ton of friends per se, but I mean, like I definitely like have friends. I've been going to shows for like a while now. And, like, I used to travel a lot more than I do. But um, basically, we were just kind of like, yo, we need to, like, do, like, some sort of summer thing. And, like, we went up and played Eugene, Oregon. We couldn't get a show in Seattle. Like, we, everyone we hit up was like, yo, shit's, like, there aren't a lot of, at the time, there weren't very many venues or, like, 
um, it was just like a pain in the ass to where we ended up just doing, um, for that radio show dead air, we just did like a live set and then hung out and did like an interview, whatever with, um, Trev bot. And then my friends in Vancouver, like they actually book like all the hardcore shows up there really. And so I just hit them up and I was like, yo, can like we get a show here? And they're like, yeah, man, for sure. And, um, initially we were supposed to play with that withdrawal band out of Canada, which had, they had, I don't think they'd played in a while. And I was like really psyched. I've actually never seen them. And I was really psyched. Cause I was like, they're like, yo, there'll be like a fuck ton of people to see them. Like you guys will play to a lot of people. I'm like, that's awesome. But, um, those dates ended up getting switched around and we played with this band, your problem. It was the record release. And that band was really good. They play like very, think of like violence, violence era, like ceremony. It's kind of like that style, but a little less like, I feel like that record sounds very much like a Bay Area, like punk record still, where it was, they sound like a little more like, like traditional hardcore sounding, but play really, really fast. Like I think their record they put out for that show was like, 12 or 13 songs and it was like 10 minutes i think 10 or 11 minute record but we just kind of asked and like we they put us on their record release show it was cool like i would probably say that might be my favorite show we've ever played like it was fun like there was a lot of people there um the venue we played it's, it's called the 333 it was like this really cool like perfect size venue for like a hardcore show like it's small, but it's big and just has a very like dirty, gritty, like punk look to it, which was cool. I'm into that kind of aesthetic of things. And it was fun. I mean, we played Portland the next day. That show was really cool. That was, um, Ingrun and Dare were on tour with Lurk and we played that date in Portland at Blackwater and that show was cool. But Vancouver hardcore is fucking sick. And, I would say out of like the Northwest, that's the spot that's like doing the most cool shit right now and has like the most like kids come into shows and like just seem like genuinely excited and like they're getting, they're booking lots of cool tours and whatnot. It's like my big thing is like hardcore is a very like youth driven music, you know, to where when like you're playing a show or at a show and there's a lot of younger kids, like that's to me, that's like fucking cool because then you know that like it's going to be more like sustainable and like just that like youthful energy and like excitement and like just like going off to like every band and like buying merch and like just being excited is like fucking sick. And I feel like that's the vibe that Vancouver definitely has, which is awesome. I always talk about how the youth and hardcore is very important because they're the ones they're going to um, keep this whole thing alive. So th- that's awesome to hear that um, there was a lot of young kids. Um, the, the main reason why I actually brought up um, you playing Canada is because um, 
I did a podcast with this guy named Spencer. Um, it, it, um, it hasn't came out yet. Um, I'm trying to figure out when I'm going to release it, but um, he uh, does a lot of filming up in Canada. He's part of this um, group called uh, Scoped Exposure. So it's him and uh, like a whole team of people that um, take photos, film bands. And um, when they filmed set when we were up there. Yes, that's why I wanted. That's why I asked because I um, was doing research for like another podcast, and I came across like their work, and I was going through like their live sets, and I saw that they recorded your set, and I, I had no idea that you guys had gone to Canada. So I, I thought it was pretty awesome that they like were able to document that, and um, it was cool. No, it's sick. I mean, I feel like it's really weird to think about like ten years ago. Sometimes like how much harder it was to find like good footage of like shows on like YouTube, you know, whereas like those dudes are super, super consistent about going to shows kind of like how Sunny is with like K five, six and, um, actually do like a good job of filming it. And like the audio quality is good and they take the time to like put like a little, um, like promo video together for it and like throw like your logo and stuff on it. And like, it's just like super well done and it's cool. Like I wish that there was a way to have like documented footage of like every show that like, not even like ones I've played, but just shows that I've like gone to, you know, like it's fun to like, like I get a big kick out of like watching, sh- like watching videos of shows that I was at and like, you know what I mean? It's just fun. Like, Oh, like, I remember this, like all oh, this part of the set was really cool. Or like, Oh, like they maybe like band played like whatever song they don't normally play live, but they played it at that show just things like that. It's cool. And I feel like the big thing with all that stuff is consistency. And those, those guys are literally going to like all these shows and like filming it and like doing it really well. And it's just awesome. Yeah. It's crazy to think about that. You know, there's so many shows that we've been to that there's no footage of because back then, um, you know, camera phones like weren't a thing and, you know, people weren't really bringing out their handheld recorders to, you know, tape shows. I booked, um, two shows that stick out. So I booked half heart and verse that we played with them in like 2008. And this is like, at like big, big time half heart. Like they're huge. Like, I mean, they're always like pretty big, but this is like right before, I think right before songs of scream came out and they played here in this little, it's the same practice space that we play, but just on the other side. But it's like a little tiny, it's like the size of like a two car garage or like a one and a half car garage. And they played there and like was the sweatiest, most like crowded room I've ever been in. Like if there could have been some way that show could have been like filmed, like it was nuts. And then um, Title Fight played a practice space here, I think in like 2012 or 2012, I think. And um, or 2011, something like that it doesn't really matter. But that show was fucking nuts. And that would have been like a really cool show to get filmed and have like archived footage of it. Like those shows were just like crazy. And like, especially looking at like bands that like end up getting huge, you know, and like having that footage from when like they were playing these like smaller shows when like you would tell someone like, Oh yeah, I saw them play in like this crazy small space. And they're like, no way. Like that would never happen. Or like, just whatever. It's wild. I, yeah. Yeah, definitely appreciate um, the people that are um, putting in the work and coming out to shows and actually um, filming them because I I feel like it's really important. It's important and like 
that shit definitely takes time and like editing it after and like like I mean you know you have a podcast like that shit takes time to do and it's like you're not getting paid for it or anything you're yeah. just doing it because you genuinely care and like it's something that you think is important that you enjoy it so like anyone that's like down to document anything or take the time to like get that sort of like media out there is definitely like has my praises and I think what they're doing is very important and definitely respected because it's not always fun or like if you're at a show and like you want to go off or maybe you don't want to hold a fucking camera up or whatever but you're doing it anyway like it's cool yeah and I definitely agree with those sentiments um what well, one thing I want like want to tell you before um, we wrap up um, earlier, you mentioned that um, you know you're like oh uh, our um, you know our records coming out um, it's like you know, like just the record or whatever I, I can't remember what you said but I'm paraphrasing but um, I kind of like disagree with that because I, I feel like um, in the bigger picture of your scene um boise idaho up there um the the fact that you've been involved for so long the fact that you keep you know doing bands you've booked shows um i think what you're doing is actually more important than you're um letting on to believe because like when people look back um i don't know if boise's ever gonna blow up um with like a crazy hardcore scene but the fact that you guys are putting out, um, you know, from the one song that I've heard that you guys have released, I think it's going to be an awesome record. I, I think it's um, definitely is important, not just for your scene, but, you know, for this thing as a whole, because like when people look back at the different like regions, they're going to see your name tied to all these bands. So I, I think um, it's like, you know, I think it's a big deal. I'm definitely psyched to get it out. And I think like, I know that we're all like super proud of it. And it's like, we have like as a band, like the lowest of expectations with like everything that way, like you can't ever be let down. Like anything that anything cool that happens is like, yo, this, this rocks, this is sick (laughs) to where we're very, very stoked to get it out. And we're like super excited for people to hear it. And I think that, like, I don't think it's going to resonate with everyone, but I think that with certain people that like this kind of hardcore or think that maybe this kind of hardcore hasn't really been like being played as much as like other styles lately or the last few years or whatever, I think it'll like really click for those type of listeners. And I think that just kind of, I mean, I could, this, I could totally be wrong, but I kind of feel like the whole, you know, metalcore, very, very like chugga chugga, like dissonant note um, style of hardcore. I feel like that's kind of on the out a little bit. Like, I like that kind of stuff a lot. Like, I grew up listening to that kind of like music and I love going to those kind of shows. But I kind of feel like with every type of like, big thing in hardcore like you know it ebbs and flows and i kind of feel like that style like it's been done so much lately that i kind of feel like it's kind of on the outs like i think that the bands that are doing it really well they'll stick around i think that a lot of the smaller bands or bands that like aren't necessarily super super into that but are like playing because like 
that's what they're into right now. I feel like a more faster, not melodic necessarily, but just like a more faster kind of punk, I guess punkier. That sounds kind of lame to say, but I feel like that style of hardcore is kind of going to become a little more popular again. Like Fury has a new record coming out, which is going to rule. And I feel like since Fury has been a band, they've always kind of like been somewhat of like, like looking at like a like fest that they're playing or whatever. Like they, to me always kind of seem like a little more of the oddball in terms of like the type of hardcore that's being played overall. And I feel like more like that style is going to become a little more like popular and like well-received, which I am personally very excited for. Like my favorite kind of hardcore is fast, faster, like, I guess faster, more like traditional, even that sounds stupid, but traditional style of hardcore. And, um, I don't know. I think it'll be cool. I think that when you're talking about with like being in like an important market on like Boise and kind of like that sort of milestone, I guess that's something that we're kind of like not setting out to do, but like we understand that like Boise is a very like kind of random spot and that people don't associate like hardcore with Boise. And we're right in between two like major tour stops because we're like most like most bands will play like, if they're doing like a Northwest tour or even like an Upper West tour or whatever. They're going to play Salt Lake and they're going to play like Portland or Seattle. And you have to drive through Boise to get there to either of those or in between those, I mean. So, I mean, one of the goals is just to like have people not want to skip Boise anymore because when most bands play here, like they'll sell a lot of merch the people that come out to the shows are legitimately excited to see these bands and will like go off for bands and to where one of the goals from us, like actually like, we're not going to like tour all the time, you know, but like we'll do, we'll try to do as much touring as you can within our means, but just like getting more of that name of like Boise and like hardcore together and like, yeah, Boise's like, there's some cool stuff going on. Like, you guys should, like, not take an off day next time you're driving through. You guys should, like, try to play here. Like, people will be psyched on it. And just kind of, I guess, like, that approach. And, um, like, there was, like, some, I guess, drama or pe- not everyone got along within, like, the Boise, like, hardcore scene for a while. And, like, right now, like, everyone gets along and it's really cool. And, like, everyone's, like, supporting each other's bands and, like, coming out to each other's shows and, like, moshing to everyone's bands. And um, I just, I guess it was, like, we really want to, like, keep up that momentum and, like, that energy. Because, I mean, the the worst thing is if you're, like, a new kid going to a show and, like, the energy and vibe just sucks. And, like, you can tell, like, no one's like, gets along with each other. Like, I wouldn't want to, like, go to shows like that if, like, I wasn't aware of what hardcore was and, like, I was just coming to check out a show. Like, yeah, I'm good. But the energy and, like, the vibe right now is, like, really cool to where, I guess, just trying to continue and carrying that and, like, build up momentum around that. But getting an actual record out is really cool. Like, I never thought, like, that we would be able to do that, I guess. And actually having it come together and, like, look nice and, like, have, like, an album cover and, like, a layout that, like, we're proud of and like stoked on is like really cool. And like 
just having it sold on like to me iconic like web stores and things like that is kind of fucking crazy being again that we're from Boise and um I won't give too much away but there's like a couple guest spots on the record which the fact that like people were cool to do them to in itself to me is like kind of insane I guess but and again one of the cool things about hardcore is that I feel like it's very much more a um like network of like friends as opposed to necessarily like a music community, you know, whereas like asking like your friend, like, Oh, Hey, would you want to like sing on this song? It's not like a weird request versus like asking like a person from like X band. Like that's a way more like weird and daunting request. I definitely agree with that because doing this podcast, um, just thinking about, like it in the early days and um, wanting certain people on, but not really sure how to approach it. And so I'm just like, you know, some guy who's trying to start a podcast. Um, it was a little strange at first, but then um, I, you know, have friends of friends who are willing to do it. And then in turn, they became my friends and then they wanted to introduce me to their friends. And then this thing has just kind of spider webbed out. Like, so far um and it's crazy yeah it's exactly it's sick like um it's super weird like for as like big of as like hardcore is it's like such a super small and like interconnected thing like um almost everyone that you know knows like someone else you know in some capacity or like knows someone that knows someone to where um it's really nice and makes it like from its terms of like being in a band to me is like way less stressful because I feel like you could be a hardcore band and go almost anywhere. And in some way you'll be able to figure out like who books shows there or like if you need like a place to stay or, I mean, just whatever, like it's not so unheard of versus like if you were like, I guess like fishing a fisherman or whatever. And like, wanting to go fish somewhere and like needed a place to stay. Like, I don't even know how you would like navigate that. Same here. I wouldn't understand anything. Yeah. Like that's like the one thing. And I think another reason why, like I stay in, I keep like around hardcore and like continue to go to shows and like listen to like new bands and want to like play music and stuff. It's like, it's just something that I actually understand and it makes sense and it's never like not made sense. And it's never been something that was like hard or confusing or like weird or like, like, I don't think I have like full on like social anxiety, but I definitely get like awkward and like nervous and quiet around people that I don't know or people that I know their interest and things that they're in is something that I have no fucking clue about. But if like I'm at a hardcore show or like, even if I see someone that I, I did this a lot more when I was younger, but like even now, like I don't really, it doesn't really happen that much. But like if I saw someone out in public and they were wearing like, um, like an in my eye shirt, I would immediately think I could probably be their friend and I would get along fine with them and I wouldn't feel weird talking to them. Whereas like my girlfriend, will have her friends come over and I'm just so fucking shy. And was like, Hey, like I don't really have like very much in common with you. Like, I feel like anything I bring up, you're going to think I'm weird or like dumb to where like, I'll just, I'll just not talk to you because I feel super uncomfortable. 
It's a weird world out there outside of hardcore. Yeah, but then, like, at the same time, it's like I'll have, like, my, uh, we'll say my normie friends, like, go to a show that we're playing, and they're just like, this is cool. Like, this is real fucking weird. And, like, I don't get it, but, like, this is cool. Like, you guys seem psyched on this, but, like, to where I guess if, like, you were an outsider coming in, I could see why it wouldn't be appealing, you know? Or, like, just super weird and strange, but it's really cool and a very sick and important thing to me at least all right april 26th not only does avengers endgame comes out but so does threats of the world where can they buy it Devin? you can get it on um safe inside records actually does all their like online distro now through the death wish store so you okay. can get it there. You can get it on. They also have it on the Rev site on Rev HQ. We will actually have records on tour with us, as well as new merch. You can get that from us when we're on tour. I will eventually set up a big cartel or something like that for us. I've literally had it like almost all set up for like months. It's just I just need to put like the inventory numbers of stuff up but they'll be able to eventually get stuff there probably put stuff up after tour and um or if you're in the area you can buy a record from us at a show all right well there it is make sure to catch them on their threats of the west tour starting next month um is there anything you'd like to shout out or plug before we wrap things up um, if you're in any of those areas, you should definitely come to the shows. Um, as far as I know, there aren't really like any like Facebook events or whatever for it, but some of the bands that we're playing with, I'm really excited for in Santa Cruz that head to wall band was supposed to play in tuning. Those bands are cool at the program show, um, Berthold city X rain X, um, Soul Power and Frontside are playing. And Frontside's actually also doing the San Diego show with us. This band Tourist is playing that show. Um, that Gunpowder band's playing. Those bands are all cool. I don't know who we're playing with in any of the other areas. But um, shout out to those bands. Everyone should listen to Lurk. And peace of mind in time and pressure and dying for it. Um, pain strikes out of PA. They're fucking sick. It's got, um, if you're into carry on, that's like right up your alley. They're really cool. Um, true love. I mean, there's like, I listen to way too much hardcore. It's kind of stupid, but, um, there's lots of really cool current, like hardcore bands going right now that are really good. And, there's nothing cooler than supporting current bands. Cause those are the bands that need your support versus living in yesterday. Like as much as I love all those older bands and ripping off those bands to play music, I am much cooler with giving my support to the current bands. So there it is. 
thank you, Devin, for coming on. I definitely appreciate it. It was um, definitely fun. fun. Um, I was happy to talk to you. Thank you guys for listening. I always appreciate all your support and all your love. I really mean it when I say that. So thank you. And this has been another episode of the Jamie RK podcast. Always on top. See the light.